Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for your word. Uh, you do not leave us in the dark as your people. You guide us through it and you bless us through it. And so we pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning through your word. May your spirit help us to understand these profound truths which Jesus is teaching us uh, through what is recorded here. And may it inform our lives and shape our lives and particularly release us from worry about things we need to live. Amen. Well, at different times and in different ways, uh, most of us, if not all, will face anxiety. Anxiety about provision of our basic needs. Uh, maybe uh, it is the effect of the pandemic on our investments or our super. Of course, the pandemic has disrupted the lives of countless millions of people and created economic turmoil and uncertainty. Maybe it's the prospect of unemployment or significantly reduced income. And maybe we enter a high-cost phase of life where our resources are significantly stretched. Or maybe it's the foreboding difficulty of getting a toehold in a ridiculously expensive housing market. How do you cope with concerns about making ends meet. Well, last week, uh, we saw the folly of centering our lives on the pursuit of things, the pursuit of wealth. Uh, we saw that it is so short-sighted. Uh, when we die, we can't take any of it with us. Uh, we were alerted, if you recall, to be on our guard against a self-centered mindset that hoards and is self-indulgent. Instead, uh, we were exhorted to center our lives on God, uh, on loving him, and on living for him in this world. Uh, look at verse 21 again from last week. Uh, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Uh, but uh, what does it mean uh, to be rich towards God? We briefly started to think about this at the end of last week. Uh, of course, it starts with being reconciled to God through faith in Christ. Uh, we can't be rich towards God if we are estranged from him. But then it continues in living a life of radical love and service. Uh, we are the opposite of the greedy farmer. Uh, rather than hoarding selfishly, uh, we give generously. Rather than being self-centered, uh, we are others-centered. And we view ourselves as stewards. Increasingly, we view everything that we have as being entrusted to us by God. Uh, we don't actually own it. And so we see, and we seek to be faithful in discharging that trust, uh, living lives of radical generosity and love. But the natural question which arises is this. Well, if I live a life of radical generosity, what if I don't have enough left for myself? What if there is still some month left at the end of the money? And this is what Jesus now turns to address. And in so doing, Jesus offers his followers the antidote to worry and to anxiety. Uh, Jesus unpacks more of what it practically looks like to be rich towards God. 
Uh, we're going to have two main points today. Uh, we're going to see, firstly, don't let your life be consumed with worry about your basic needs. Secondly, live for God's kingdom and trust God to provide. So firstly then, uh, don't let your life be consumed with worry about your basic needs. Verse 22. Uh, then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, uh, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, uh, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Uh, there's that phrase again, uh, life is more than. Uh, we saw this last week in last week's passage as well. Uh, we are back into the territory of the big questions of life, what it's all about. Uh, previously, Jesus says, uh, don't let your life be consumed by the pursuit of possessions. But now he moves towards the other end of the wealth spectrum, uh, from addressing the craving of abundance to the fear of scarcity. Don't let your life be consumed with worry about your basic needs. Instead, trust God to provide all that we do need. Now, to illustrate the principle, uh, Jesus directs us to look at the ravens, verse 24. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. And yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than birds? You see, if God provides the ravens with what they need to eat, then God is certainly going to provide the food that we need. Because, of course, we are much more valuable to God than birds. Now, of course, this is not an excuse to be lazy uh, or to not work to provide for ourselves or our families. Uh, we don't just sit back and expect manna to fall from heaven. But as we work and as we plan to provide, we rest. We rest in the knowledge that our Heavenly Father will provide. So, if God promised, has promised to provide, the question is, why do we worry? How does worrying help us? And of course, it doesn't. Worrying gains us nothing. Look at verse 25. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Profound words. Uh, far from adding anything positive to our lives, anxiety subtracts from our lives. Rather than ex extending the span of our lives even by an hour, uh, chronic worrying literally shortens our lives and desolates what is left. Uh, worrying steals our rest. We lie awake at night. Uh, worrying steals our health. Uh, we may become run down physically. Uh, worrying steals our obedience. We may be tempted to compromise our integrity by lying or stealing. Worrying steals our hope. We may lose sight of eternity and sink demoralized in the abyss of the present. So again, uh, Jesus exhorts us. Trust our Heavenly Father to provide all that we need. And this time he uses a botanical example, verse 27. 
Consider how the lilies grow. Uh, They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? You see, if God can bedeck the plant kingdom with beautiful apparel, how much more will he ensure that you and I have sufficient clothes to wear? So, why do we worry? And with those last five words, Jesus exposes the root of all our anxieties. You notice what he said. Oh, you of little faith. You see, worry is an outworking of unbelief. We worry because our faith is too little or too brittle. We are failing to trust God. We are succumbing to disbelief. Uh, We're acting like pagans who don't have a loving Heavenly Father who provides all they need. You see, when we worry, we deny God's promise. We don't believe that God will give us what we need. Uh, When we worry, uh, we deny God's wisdom. We doubt that God fully understands our situation as we do. Uh, When we worry, we deny God's goodness. We don't believe that God has our best interests at heart. And when we worry, we deny God's sovereignty. We doubt God's power to provide what we need in his own good time. We can actually go further than this. You see, when we worry... Not only are we failing to trust God, but actually we are living as if we are God. You see, we take our responsibility to provide to the extreme. We start to think that we are solely responsible. We believe that it all rests on our shoulders. Now, Christians can obviously slip into this thinking Uh, secular people who aren't yet Christians are inevitably forced into this thinking. After all, uh, they are gods of their own lives. They have independence from God, or so they think, but it comes at a terrible cost because they have to walk life's path alone. And so they carry on their shoulders the weight of being God, of providing for themselves. And yet, it's not how God designed us to live. God's intent is that we live in his world, loving him and resting in his tender care. Now, it's been said that there are two facts of human alignment are like this. Uh, Firstly, there is a God. And secondly, you are not he. I think that's quite profound and pithy. And it's good as far as it goes. But for Christians, there is a third vital fact of human enlightenment. Uh, One, there is a God. Two, you are not he. Three, you are a loved child of God. You see, as the problem of disbelief comes more clearly into focus, 
we start to see the remedy for worry. And the remedy is trust. The antidote to fear is faith in our faithful Heavenly Father. As loved children of God, we rest in God's sovereign care over our lives. We don't focus on our worries, but instead we focus on our Father and His character. For those who are trusting in Christ, the degree to which we trust determines the degree to which we worry. You see, fear and faith are inversely proportional. And I've got a slide here which uh, beautifully summarizes that. Fear and faith. Uh, The more we fear, the less faith we have. The more faith we have, the less we fear. As a follower of Jesus, I ask myself this question. To what extent am I applying my faith to my worries about my necessities for my life? I ask myself, is there any difference in the way that I'm living my life to that of a pagan person? Is the fact that I have a loving Heavenly Father making a material difference to the way I'm living emotionally, in my worries, in my anxieties? You see, for followers of Jesus, if our hearts are preoccupied with worries about our basic necessities, we will function probably little differently from those who don't have Christ. And what's more, we then may be not able to live a life of faithful service to God. Our Christian service will be smothered. So how should we live? Uh, Here's the second main point. Live for God's kingdom and trust God to provide. Uh, The question is, where will we set our hearts? What will we put first? What will we choose to prioritise? Will it be our worries about our necessities or our growth and our service in Christ's kingdom? Verse 29. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom And these things will be given to you as well. Here we have a promise. Here is a promise of God on which we can base our lives. And it's a promise which counters our disbelief. Do you see what God is assuring us? He's saying if we put living for his kingdom first, he will provide our necessities for living. And the question is this. Will we base our lives on that promise? Uh, Will we live by faith or will we be ruled by fear? But what does it look like to put God's kingdom first in our priorities? Or to phrase it in the words of uh, verse 21 from last week, what does it look like to be rich towards God? And Jesus goes on to outline an investment strategy that is literally out of this world. Verse 32. 
Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes and where no moth destroys. You see, God has given us everything. As we sing in that wonderful hymn, ransom healed, restored, forgiven, who like him his praise should sing. That God has given us an eternal inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. He's given us it as a gift. It's an act of his grace. So God has given everything to us, and now God calls us to, in turn, give to his cause and to his kingdom, uh, to care for the needy, and to grow his kingdom on earth. And as we do so, we can convert our wealth now into the protected currency of eternal glory, where nothing ever depreciates, but only accrues. And so it's in that sense that we can take it with us. And there is great benefit in living this out. Look at verse 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, let me share with you as I close some of my own personal reflections on this passage as I've mulled on it and prepared on it. And maybe these reflections will be helpful for you as you think about how it applies to your own life. Uh, these last 12 months for me have been an emotional roller coaster when it comes to my investments. Uh, there have been times during the pandemic when things for me have been moving in the right direction uh, for my investments. And in those times, I've experienced a sense of peace and great well being. Everything is right with the world. But there have been other times in this last 12 months when unexpected events have hit our investments hard. And I've shared some of the, this with you per previously. And it's in those times that I've experienced anxiety and angst. And it's caused me to ask, am I treasuring my investments too much? Am I treasuring the security that they bring me? For where my treasure is, there my heart will be also. And where my heart is will be reflected in my emotions. At peace and well-being when things are going well. Anxiety and angst when they're not. So you see, I'm, in the pro work, I'm a work in progress in this area. But I think I'm making some progress. And for me, the way forward has been to release and to review. I release all my worries back to God. And I trust him afresh. I say, this has not gone the way I hoped, but you have the future of my life in your hands. I could worry, but I'm not going to worry. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to release it back to you. So I release and then I review. I review what I have and how I can use it for the care of others and the growth of the kingdom. And I have found that it gives me a new freedom and also a new joy in generosity. 
uh, when God brings someone across my path in need, I am able to be generous to them in helping them. And in so doing, I know that I am using my wealth in a way that has eternal significance. And I've experienced that even this week. And I do now want to review my giving before God. I'm not called to give everything away, but I am called to be radically generous. I want to prayerfully lay it all before God, and I want to ask Him how much God wants me to give away and to what. Lord, do you want me to give to mercy ministries in my city? How much of what I have, Lord, do you want me to give to the persecuted church overseas? How much of what I have, Lord, do you want me to give to mission organizations that operate in spiritually dark corners of the world? To give to church planting, to give to gospel ministry in local schools, like in the tech, of course, with the PHCCEA. To give to the local church and all of the work that advances God's kingdom. That's part of my journey. I'm still on it. I'm still reviewing it. Maybe that can be helpful and can cause questions and thoughts in your own mind. I'm going to close in prayer now before I open up to questions and comments. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for the truths of what Jesus has shared with us, uh, that we can live lives free from worry and anxiety about our basic needs. We can trust you, our Heavenly Father, if we live lives of faith, trusting you. Help us, we pray, to live more fully a life of faith, to put into practice our faith uh, at an emotional level and to experience the peace and the rest that comes from that. And may we, as part of that release, also experience the delight and joy of living for your kingdom, of investing in eternity, of using our wealth now in a way which is deeply and eternally and profoundly significant. And may we sense and enjoy the joy of that and the satisfaction of that now, we pray. Amen.